And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guests are Nicole, author and soul frequency painter who's had a near-death experience, and Dr. Christos, a radiologist and musician who's had a near-death-like experience, which we will both learn about today. Nicole and Christos, thank you for being my guests, and welcome. Oh, it's so lovely to be here today. Thank you so much for having us. Exactly. Thank you so much. We love your show. Thank you. Nicole, let's start with your near-death experience first. Well, it's a a very emotional one, as many of them are, I'm sure. I, um, I... I had lost our our baby and I was on the way to, you know, I had to basically have it taken out, otherwise I would have died. So I had to go to hospital and it was a very traumatic experience, the whole thing, you know. If anybody out there has ever lost a child, you know, it's a very emotional roller coaster ride. And I was wheeled in and sedated, put under anesthesia and the last thing I remember, was just two men just looking over me and and I was just gone, finished, gone. And then I, um, as I was gone, I saw myself being pulled or falling into this almost blue-white star. It was very, very real. It was almost more real than this reality here because I was really being pulled into this blue-white star. And as I was, as I was being pulled into this blue-white star, Immediately, I landed, or I, I was there, and I was greeted by these two beings that were sitting on thrones. Very strange. Um, it was a male and a female, and their hair was um, made out of feathers. So if you imagine a, a Native American headdress, I, want, I often wonder where they get that from. Um, every hair shaft follicle was a, a feather. And these feathers went from um, blue, blue to purple to indigo to white, and very long and very, you know, full hair, full hair of feathers, incredible looking. And their faces, they had almost line, line type noses with their sea line whiskers. And I wasn't scared. It was almost a, a, it was almost a memory, like, oh my God, I'm home. Sorry if I get emotional. It's been a long time since I've spoken about it. And um, I just saw them and this unbelievable feeling of peace came over me. And I just thought, I know where I am. It was an instant recollection of knowing where I was, even though I didn't know where I was. I just knew I I was home. This was home. And um, they sat on these thrones and I looked at them and their eyes were indigo, like a very white blue, quite... If you would see somebody in this reality, it'd be quite freaky. But it was just this this over over presence of love and deep peace was so overwhelming that I felt completely safe and nurtured. I don't remember much of what they told me. It's almost like it was processed into my deep subconsciousness, subconscious, right? Um, and what they did tell me was that in this life, I wasn't supposed to have children. I wasn't supposed to have children in this life because it was something that I really, you know, I really wanted with with my husband. Um, And I guess it didn't happen. 
and it wasn't supposed to happen. So it was a big experience, but most of it I don't remember. But as I woke up, this is the interesting part. Ah, yes, I forgot to say their skin was blue. They had bluish skin. And as I woke up, Christos was by my bedside and I was speaking fluently in a language of high-pitched sounds and dolphin squeals with um, a lot of K-A words, ka, ka. And I was, you know, this unbelievable fluent language that I was speaking to him. And uh, he was there observing me and just listening. Uh, and, it, and it was... I remember I was just smiling and looking at her and saying, yeah, everything is fine. I have no idea what you're trying to tell me, but... Uh... But I, I thought he would understand everything because I was so full of joy where I'd just been that it, it, this reality was just the polar opposite to where we're living on this, this plane. It was so full of joy that the excitement had come all the way back with me to this reality and I was just, you know, speaking this strange language. And I just remember, yeah, it was incredible. And I just wanted to go back. So it was a very, a very quick experience, but a very real experience. And it wasn't a dream. I know that for sure. Um, because being there was more real than being here or the dreams that we have every night. It was something much more real. It's very difficult to explain that to people because unless you've had an NDE, you know what it's like. You know that it's, it's more real. I'm pretty sure that where I was, was a water type world because these beings were, you know, they had fish tails. Their top bodies were humanoid with arms and this feathered hair with these indigo eyes. And then their bottom bodies were like, I guess, seal-like, like a mermaid, like a, you know, this, I don't know, what do you call it? A fish tail, a fish tail. And they were sitting on thrones, so they didn't have to move, you know? <laughs> Um, but it was an incredible, incredible experience that I'll never forget. And um, it's it's haunted me or haunted me in a good way ever since. And I always had this deep suspicion and I'm only just putting it out there. I have a I have a feeling it had to do something with Sirius. Now, whether Sirius is a star or not, or whether Sirius is a land beyond our Earth, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But it was a world. It was a world, a very real world. And it was much more tangible, much more real than this world. In the beginning, you said you were traveling towards a star. Were you traveling through space? I think I was falling. I think I was falling into a world, either a world or a star. That's what I, what, that's what I felt, was a world. It was like bringing me, beckoning me back home, pulling me back home. It's almost like our souls know exactly where to go to at the point of, of dying. It, it beckons you back to where you're supposed to be. Um, and I have, a, I have a sense that even though we're all the same, we're all interconnected, we all have like a different place that we go to, even though we're all together, if that makes sense. You use the word star, and a lot of times people will say that they're getting pulled or they're traveling toward the light. And I'm wondering if it's the same thing, but using different words. Do you feel like you were traveling like towards a star, like a sun, or you were just traveling to like this point of light? Yeah, it was a point of light, which was a bluish white light. So it wasn't like a shining sun. It was more like a, 
a white light, but had this beautiful blue um, aura around it. So you received a lot of information. Yeah, I did. Does it come back to you like in dreams or do you have realizations when you're walking on the beach or something and you retrieve some of that information? I think I'm very in, in touch with my higher self. Um, my higher self, my real name is actually, was given to me once when I was in, in the bath at the age of 23. Um, I tend to meditate in water. And when I meditate in water, a lot of information comes to me. And I was given the name Teriel, T-A-H-R-I-E-L. Those were the word, those were the letters that were spelled out to me. Um, and I always thought that was an angel looking after me. But in hindsight, as I've grown up, I feel that that is the real me. That is my interdimensional name, let's say. And it's pronounced Tariel, Tariel. Mm. And I actually did Google it once to see if it existed. And um, it, it has a very powerful significance, meaning of angel of purity or purity, something like that. But who knows? You know, it's the Internet. So yeah. <laughs> I get my knowledge from the ether, not from the Internet. Since you feel like it was more real on the other side than here, do you feel like this side is dreamlike? I think this side is very heavy and um, it's almost contaminated with a lot of heavy emotions, not just from how we feel, but how other other people feel. Um, and I, I suppose um, many of us can tap into other people's feelings, even if we're unaware of it, you know. Um, if you walk past somebody and you sometimes just don't like that person, you know, is he an angry person? Uh, you can sense some kind of an energy, an emotional energy. So I feel that this this reality is very dense and heavy with a lot of heavy emotions. And th those emotions cause different frequencies. If you're a regular viewer of this channel, you would know that I've had a couple near-death experiencers go to the water planet. And you went to a planet where people are fish-like, at least yes. from the waist down. Did you get any sense that their throne room was a, in a water planet? Well, apart from them having fishtails, um, it had this luminescent white light everywhere. So the, the light is coming behind them. You know, it's white. But I, I can't say that I saw any water around. Maybe we were, maybe we were within the water. Yeah having the experience. So I couldn't tell you. All I know is that it was very symbolic, the, the fishtails that they had, the half humanoid, half fishtail mm. appearance. I've heard of people describe a certain type of alien or ET called the blue avian. And <gasps> no one's ever described the fishtail part, but being blue and bird-like is something that's common. And if you Google it, I'm sure you can find out about it, but I've never put the two yeah. together. And I think that would be interesting to see if, if somebody writes about that. I do believe, um, or sense, let's say, sense is a better word than believe, um, that there are worlds beyond our world. Uh, they could be beyond even the Antarctic pole, <laughs> if you want to see it that way. Um, to me, stars are more of a frequency. When we look up, they're a different frequency. If you actually look under a telescope, they're vibrating at different frequencies and they have different colors. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I don't see stars as what science says that stars are. Um, I see them as different frequencies that we can tap into energetically. 
And I think if we tap into them energetically, we can get information from them. Have you noticed that you have any new abilities after your experience that you didn't have prior? I'm able to feel energy much more from people. Um, I'm able to connect to people's frequency and know what's troubling them, um, know what's going on within them. I'm able to predict a lot of things about them that often scares people. So You started painting. Yeah, I started painting. That's true. <laughs> I started painting as well after that experience. It's true. I started um, bringing that energy and putting it down on canvas mm. and painting what I see and what I feel in have, different colors. Have you ever painted the beings that you saw? I have actually, yeah. Yes. It's right over here. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get it? Should Should I, I, get it? I get it for you. That would be great. Is that okay? Yeah, it'd be awesome. Okay. It'd be really cool. Yeah, this one is actually called Sirius B because that's where I believe my home is, um, Sirius B. This is one of them. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I couldn't quite, the, you know, the, the feathers, the way I see it is my own abstract art piece. But um, it, obviously they had real like feathered hair, but I did it in this way. It's more of the aura that I felt, you know, this unbelievable, deep, loving presence that they have. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me a lot of the Native American Indians, that, that wisdom, that wisdom connected to nature, but it was much more profound than that. So if you imagine it even more, this deeper peace, this deeper understanding, this deeper connection, was extreme it wasn't something from our planet but similar to the native american indians i don't know if the feathers were that size from what you saw her hair in the painting reminds me of a peacock mm. yes right that's interesting yeah i never saw it that way actually it does. Yeah. To me, it also looks it like it was oh, just to see this i often wish you know to go there again or even, you know, just experience it again. But I guess it was, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I had lost the baby and they wanted to reassure me, you know, it was a very stressful time, sure. very traumatic time. I think these things that they probably happen when the human body and the spirit is under extensive trauma. And that's where, you know, you're allowed, you're allowed to see something, you're allowed to have a gift to know that everything's okay. It's okay. You know, you have a mission. It's okay. You know, you, 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 it's important for you to experience this, but it's not your time yet. Even though I wasn't told that at all. I just knew that, you know, I needed to go back. Christos, can you tell us what was going through your mind when she woke up and she was speaking this other language? It was rather surprising to me. I thought, okay, what is this now? Or how am I going to interpret this now? Actually, <laughs> in, in La La Land, dreaming or... I mean, I've experienced it before, I have to say, with another person in my life. I was traveling on a ship with him, and uh, we happened to share a cabin. And in the middle of the night, he uh, turns on the light and sits up in his bed, which was opposite of mine, looks at me and starts speaking to me rather fluently in a very similar language. And I 
I was looking at him and say, yeah, okay, everything's fine, yeah. And then he was also like nodding and whatever he was saying, turned off the light and went back to sleep. The next day I, I confronted him with it and he had no idea. He did not remember. So it reminded me very much of that, this little experience. I said, oh, here comes again. Someone talking to me in a, in a language that I've never heard in before. In an ancient language. And, and she wouldn't stop doing it. So I was holding her hand and I was trying to bring her back and say, hey, hey you're, you're back. It's, everything's good. You're just waking up from the anesthesia. And she kept on speaking in this language. And then slowly it faded out. And then all of a sudden you you realized that you were that you were back. Shit. And you spoke English to me again. Did back you, on it. Did you immediately tell him I was somewhere else with these beings? Yes, immediately. Yeah. She told me the, the, the whole story right there. I, I was so like, excited. Ooh, it was absolute amazing. joy and excitement. It was like, I can't believe, because I never, ever had these experiences as strong as that. So when you have them, it's like, no way, it was real after all. We didn't even bother talking about operation or anything else. Mm -hmm. It was just this. Yeah. yeah. You were telling me all this, the whole story. Yeah. 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 There was another being, I have to mention this, there was another being with the two mer beings, but I, it's just so weird, with a, a peroxide blonde bob like that with indigo eyes, and I have no idea what that was. Like a fringe and a peroxide, like white hair, not, not even, not peroxide, not blonde, it was white, white hair in a bob with indigo eyes. And it almost seemed like a helper with one of them. So I don't know. I had also the same profound feeling with that, but with the two mer beings, it was much, much more profound because they looked so incredible for me. Do you mind sharing with us the medical reason why you can't have any more children? Yes, I will tell you. Um, I was extremely stupid. Before Christos, I was um, with a man in South Africa who was pretty much a narcissist. And for years, I, he had put me down and run me down and told me that I need to get breast implants. And stupidly enough, I believed him. When you start to believe, when you start to believe fear, you do stupid things. And because of these breast implants, um, they poisoned me over the years, slowly, slowly. And that created me to have extremely horrific, like hormonal issues. And my endocrine system was crashing. I was, I was being poisoned slowly. And that's one of the reasons why I couldn't have children. This might help a lot of people that have got breast implants to know the truth, because there's so many women out there that have got breast implants still mm. now that are slowly being killed with them. Mm. So that might help well, somebody out there. We, we also know. have to say that as a radiologist, I did an ultrasound at some point, and I found out that they were ruptured both. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. it turned out it turned out to be completely dissolved, the one, and the other one just had a tiny rupture. But it ended up in a five-hour emergency operation in the middle of COVID, where she was... Uh, I almost died in 2020. Almost, yeah. yeah, that's another mm -hmm. story. And then, of course, going back in time then, we understood why the pregnancy didn't work. Yeah, in 2015. It was, she was already affected a lot by the so-called micro-bleeding that these implants have and spread their 
endo and endocrinolo endocrinologic toxins, neurotoxins, it goes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm lucky to be here still, to be honest. Hmm. So, um, yeah, it was a miracle actually that we managed to do everything in 2020. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what happened to me. Yeah. What changes have you noticed about Nicole after her NDE? I think more the awareness of her, even more awareness towards her capabilities because she always had them. When we met, we actually had this magical experience with each other already because uh, shortly before we met, I had my experience. And so our experience together started this way of everything being a bit magical because uh, I then with my experience, but I'm taking it now away, you know, in a, in a, no, it's okay. Just talk, it's fine. Well, let's my tell us your experience since you're mentioning it. So with me, it was at a time was I uh, was working as a radiologist 60 hours a week. I was close to a burndown. I had uh, two uh, ex-wives with three children. So my life didn't really go very balanced. And I decided I needed to change something. And the first thing I changed was that I moved away uh, in the city from the spot that I lived close to nature. I moved even further into the city because I wanted to be surrounded by artists. So I went into this district where all the artists lived. And I thought maybe I will feel better there, which I didn't, of course, because you're just taking your trouble with you and it didn't really make a change. But then one day, one of my friends, my new friends from the artist district came up to me and asked me a similar question that you just asked me. Christos, as a doctor, would you know about DMT? And I said, no, never even heard about it. So then he explained to me that they called it the spirit molecule or whatever, and he just was interested in hearing what a doctor has to say to it. And I said, sorry, I can't help you with this. I'm not into drugs at all. I never do any drugs. I don't smoke, I don't drink. I'm a completely healthy athlete. And uh, then he said, would you like to try it? And I was immediately pushing it away, but there was this something inside of me that trusted this guy. And instead of saying no, which I expected myself to do, I said, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> without even researching into it. So we, we set up a date and uh, everything was prepared. So I went home to the internet and I read everything about dimethyltryptamine which is the substance that apparently is in all living beings and plants and uh, apparently created in our pineal gland. And it's also the substance that they use with these ayahuasca uh, ceremonies in, in South America. But this one that he was uh, about to give me was from an Australian root that you smoke in, in, in a pipe. And so we met the next day on a, on a roof terrace in the city. It was uh, summer, sunlight, I remember. It was late afternoon. In Vienna. In Vienna. Yeah. And I was sitting there and he gave me this pipe and uh, put, uh, I lighted it on and then I, I, I was smoking it a little bit. I didn't want to go too far. And he looked at me and said, can you feel anything? And I said, no. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm just a little dizzy. Is that it? Is it <laughs> makes you a bit dizzy? He said, no, 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 that's not it. So he came over to me. He took this uh, this pipe, was holding it, uh, lit it with a 
with the lighter and said, and now suck it in, suck it in. And I did one big you, one. You breathed it in, one you big breathed breath. it all in. Yeah. And then everything changed. My whole life changed in a split second. Because at that moment, uh, they call it the, the breakthrough of this kind of drug. At that moment, there were two uh, huge green spirals emerging from the ground, left and right, with an, with an incredible noise. It was like a bang, like really loud in my ears. And it they shut up. And on top of the spirals, uh, a, a kind of colorful Taj Mahal created itself. I was in the inside of the Taj Mahal <laughs> looking at incredible geometry, grids and colors Colors that don't even exist here. I'm, I'm talking about, I had the feeling I'm looking at millions of colors. And this whole Taj Mahal was uh, resting on these two spirals and was pulsating like this. Huh? So that was my, my entrance into this world. Of course, I was really scared at that moment because I did not know what happened. It was, I was in a, in a completely different reality. And I was scared and scared and I started shivering, I remember, and uh, I felt really bad and was talking to myself. And I said, Christos, I think you just killed yourself. I said, no, no, it can't be. And I said, yes, you just killed yourself. And I, I could feel that my breathing and I, I tried to breathe and then and it stopped. And I stopped breathing. And that was it. And I had no chance. I just had to let go. And I could feel how I, I let go from my body and I was floating away in this huge construct and thinking, okay, there's nothing you can do. You died. That was it. You're dead. I was 100% sure I'm dead. So at that moment where I'm a bit more calm and thinking there's nothing you can do about it, this whole thing starts spiraling on one side, this Taj Mahal construct, and a, a tunnel opens and it's really rotating like this. And this tunnel opens up and it sucks me in there. And at the end of this tunnel, I see this white light. Hmm. And I'm coming closer and closer to this white light. And finally I enter this white light and I'm hovering and they're floating in the white light. And I have this feeling that something is taking me like I was like in my in a position, womb. like in a womb and yeah, taking like me, hugging me and holding me. And I could feel all the emotions at the same time. Love, anger, sadness, hate. I think I even had a, an, a feeling of an orgasm. Everything at the same time in there, in this incredible white light. And then I hear the voice of my, my friend. And he, he calls me and says, Christos, Christos, come on, open your eyes, open your eyes. I said, oh, that can't be. I can still hear him. And then I kind of forced myself opening my eyes and I open my eyes and I see him and he looks like, uh, what's it called, the Wunderkerze? Um, those things that you put... Uh, On a Christmas tree, there's with the sparkling... Sparklers, sparklers. Sparklers, you yeah. You draw sparklers all around All him. around his aura. All around it, like sparkling all around and him. And not only that, I see him and I look at him and say, oh, it's you. Now I know who you are. Oh, my God, where have you been? That's what I said. And then he said, okay, he smiled at me, said, everything is good. Close your eyes, go back. So I closed my eyes and back I was 
in this white light and the white light opened up again. It was a, again another tunnel that opened up and I could all of a sudden I could see a world emerging from there. And I thought, okay, this is interesting now. I've got to dive into this. And as I was about diving into this, <laughs> it's taken away from me. Slowly but surely, it moves further and further away and I'm back in this reality. So there I'm sitting, opening my eyes and Jürgen, my friend, he looks at me and says, so what do you think as a medical doctor about what you just experienced? And I said, medical doctor, to hell with it. If anybody's ever, ever going to tell me again that this is a hallucination that you see there when you take something like this, he has no clue what he's talking about. This was not a hallucination. It was so real, even as you said before, almost more real than this reality here because you... You, you don't need to focus into depth. You have endless depth. It goes And remember forever. when you woke up and you saw the city below you because you were yeah. on the roof terrace? I was on the roof what terrace and I saw all these roofs with their satellite dishes and antennas and I thought, oh my God, this is awful. How ugly. Like a prison it's planet. So, yeah, like said. a prison planet. So it's so ugly and so primitive. Where I just come from, it's, it's such a wonderful place. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And of course, uh, that was the, the short experience and I went back home and I couldn't think of anything else but this experience, of course. So the next day I'm calling him already and I say, Jürgen, is there more? Now that I'm not so scared anymore, I would like to explore a little bit more. And he said, sorry, my friend, that was the last piece and you had it. Mm. And I was really disappointed. And uh, I thought to myself, okay, maybe that's the way it has to be. I was sitting down on my red couch in my apartment back then in Vienna, sitting down, being disappointed, closing my eyes, and it goes, and I'm there without can, taking anything. Can you still without, do that today? I can still do it, but not as much as I did back then. But I can also tell you why. Because my real story only starts now. This was just the experience. Mm. The aftermath was actually the, the biggest experience ever so far in my life, what happened then. Because many people are talking about these kind of experiences. And then as you asked her, so what do you take with you into this life now? And what are you doing? So not only that my awareness got much bigger of a, a much bigger reality than I was aware of, uh, everything changed because I could do this now and I was doing it for two years, almost five hours every day. Like in meditation. And I could sit down wherever I was and I could close my eyes and I would be there. I would even be able to be in uh, in company with other people. And while they were talking, I would close my eyes and be there and instantly like this. And there were many people of telling me, oh, this is impossible. Uh, you, you, you can't do this only if you're a Zen monk who was meditating for 10 years, you might be able to do this. But uh, I did never anything like that. I didn't meditate. I, I wasn't a very spiritual person, uh, not really religious. I never called this a religious experience, but it turned out to be very religious. And that's one of the, the reasons yeah. Well, I wanted to talk to you also is because you have these religious experiences that people are telling you. Mine came afterwards because in one of these meditative sessions that I was in, I all of a sudden find myself hanging on a cross. And I said, okay, 
I really don't like that now. What's going on? And now I'm really, uh, it's it's getting uh, to me. I'm, I'm getting this mad. It's too much. Yeah, yeah. It's too much. And I'm, I'm hanging on this cross. I'm looking down and see some people looking at me. Weeping. Weeping, yeah. I did not like the experience. And I immediately forced myself to get out of it. I said, no, I'm not going to do this. So I, for two weeks, I stopped. After two weeks, though, I had to go back because I wanted to experience this again, the, the beautiful <clears throat> aspect to it. And I'm going in there. I see the beautiful stuff, different worlds, different animals, planets or worlds where I would be walking in water knee high. It was just shallow water everywhere and in amazing nature. And but here I'm hanging on the cross again. And... Uh, so I said, okay, this time I do it differently. I asked the question because I found out that I can ask questions in there when I'm there. It's this frequency that I tune into and I can ask these questions. So I'm asking why I'm experiencing it. What is this? And the answer was, do it like Jesus Christ. I said, what do you mean? Do you know what I mean? Do it just like him. And then I found myself on a, on an old stone bridge and I was crossing over and the voice said to me again, connect to the two sides and tell it to the people. And I said, well, why? Why should I do this? Because they will believe you. That's what they do. At least that's the information I got. They will believe you. So I said, okay, I'm not believing anything. I'm a, a scientific mind in a way. Yeah. So science, I mean, I'm not believing. I have a tendency to either say I know or I don't know, but I don't really like the believing thing. I don't mean that science can explain all the truth there is. In fact, it's probably just a tiny fraction. But my scientific mind said, I will only trust in this experience if I manage to get at least three signs in this reality that what I just experienced has any connection to this reality and that I'm not just imagining this. That's, that was my uh, commitment to it. And I said, okay, my decision. Otherwise, I'm not going to investigate further into this whole Jesus Christ thing. So next morning I wake up and by then already I was living very intuitive with my life. I had changed my job and a lot of things, but it would be too much now. So I was intuitively walking to my library with my books. And there were many books that I haven't read that are just to receive from people. And I would just grab a book, I take it, I open it up, whatever it was, and would read what it says on this first page. And I will have this feeling of whether this is going to be relevant for me for this day to live or not. So the first thing I take. A random book, it, I don't even remember what it was. It wasn't even anything religious, but it was some spiritual book. I open it up and the page that I'm reading, it says, living and wirken, how do you say that in English? The deeds, life and deeds of Jesus Christ. So, okay, here it comes again, Jesus Christ. So I read the first abstract and in the first abstract it says, so the name Jesus or Christos in, in Greek is Christos. The sign is fish, and another sign is the virgin birth, which is uh, a bit much now because uh, my name is Christos. I'm a Pisces, which is a sign fish, and I'm actually a virgin birth. How does that work? 
my parents, they somehow had some kind of an interaction, but my mama, my mom was still a virgin when she gave birth to me. I have the confirmation with my father and my mother that they didn't have any intercourse and she felt pregnant. Anyway, I did not accept this as three signs. I said, this is only one. I was really trying to be tough to this whole thing happening to me. So the next day, the very next day, we're speaking November, I'm leaving my apartment and on my doorknob outside hanging, there is an Easter egg, a nicely colored Easter egg. I'm thinking in November, I'm looking at all the other door, nothing, no, no door with an Easter egg. I didn't even know the sim symbolism or the meaning of an Easter egg. So I, I went to work, I looked it up on the internet and it says death and rise of Jesus Christ. Death and what? And rise. Death, risen, okay, death and rising yeah. of Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah. interesting. That's what it that was the meaning, the, the symbol of the Easter egg. Oh, I didn't know that. I said, okay, I, I, I have to accept it uh, as a second sign that just came. I can't just ignore it. It's impossible. Okay, I was relaxed. I let go. Next day, we're talking about three days, one after the other. I come to work, a colleague of mine is approaching me from Germany, a radiologist. He has two kids. One kid is 11 years old, and I've seen him once in my life before for maybe about 10 seconds. And he looks at me and says, Christos, you know, since you also have children, you would probably understand what I'm about to show you or tell you. And I said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You know, my son, Julius, he said, please go to Christus, he calls me Christus, and give and show him that, but bring it back to me. I said, what? And yeah, I said, yeah, I told Julius he's called Christus, but wait. So he's opening his suitcase, and in his suitcase, he has a big painting cut out and beautiful colored, and it's a fish. Made by the boy. By the boy. And he puts it in front of me on my desk and looks at me and says, does that mean anything to you? And I'm looking at him and says, yes, it does. <laughs> it does. And uh, But I was not allowed to keep it. Uh, he took it back to his son. I never saw his son again. The son that he even remembers my name and that did that for me and brought that, and his father brought it to me. That was clearly the, the third sign. I could not ignore it. Yeah? It was, again, related to Jesus Christ. And... So then I started understanding for my scientific mind. I was aware of the fact that I, as a human being, have the ability of creating all of this, connecting realities that we are obviously not aware of. We are only living in this three or four dimensional reality that we are aware of, and we're not aware of the others and that we actually can connect these well because when you're manifesting this is what you actually do when you manifested your life the way it is you had to have in your mind a clear picture of what it's going to be and how you're going to bring it towards you into this life and i started understanding this and from then on everything changed drastically in my life because everything went exactly the way that i wanted it for my personal life. 
And I told this to my kids. I have three kids. They were 11 years old back at 11, 13, and the other one was really small still. So I, sh I told them what happened to me, and I said to them, and I have read books now. My friend provided me with books. And in one of those books, I read about the cap capability of, of children to be able to read or see pictures in, in books or magazines blindfolded by just putting their hands on it. And the first one I tried this was with my son, Nikos. He was 11 back then, and he was blindfolded. I opened the magazine, and I, I had chosen uh, a red shoe, a high heel shoe, on on the street, and in the background, some some nature. So just in the front was the shoe, and in the back, nature. Just a weird picture, actually. I thought, let's make it difficult. So he puts his hands there, and after 10 seconds, he says to me, it was a red high heel shoe. I see a red slide. He says to me, I'm going, okay, wow, how is he doing this? I said, could it be something else? He said, yeah, it could also be, it could also be a red shoe. But if it's a shoe, it's huge. And I'm like, okay, how is the kid seeing this? So I said, okay, you're finished, open it. He looked at it and he was surprised himself. So we did it over and over again. It took him 10, 20 seconds the most. And then I also read in this book that when you when you take uh, text of books or pictures, you can also put it here. So we did that. I, ch I chose another picture. We put it here. It was blindfolded. So it was sitting like this, now the 11-year-old boy. <laughs> and he's going... And I can tell you what the picture was. The picture was... Uh, a commercial of a silver Peugeot uh, convertible, the French car, uh, on, a, on a road by the beach, by the sea, and sunset. So he starts, I see a silver sleigh. And I'm, okay, a silver sleigh. Could it be something else besides a silver sleigh? He says, yeah, it could be a car. I said, so why don't you want it to be a car? Why do you think it's a sleigh? Because something is missing. What is missing? The roof. And I said, well, are there cars without roofs? And he goes, yeah, convertible. <laughs> he goes, his mind is thinking like this. And then he tells me about the road, about the sea, about the sunset. And I go to him and say, okay, you're finished. You, you did it again, even here. You don't even need to touch it, probably. And he says, no, 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 I see something else. It says... On the right bottom corner, it says O O seven, and then starts reading letters and gives me the whole description of this car, which was written there in yellow letters underneath in the commercial. So it was reading text as well. So okay, I tried it with my daughter. She did it the same way. Then the kids looked at me and said, "Well." If we can do it, you can do it too. I said, I tried it already. There's no way I can do it. So they did it with me. And I'm stubborn sometimes when, when I want something to work. So I wasn't giving up because I was sitting there for 30 minutes. Imagine you're sitting 30 minutes blindfolded with your hands on, on a picture that they had chosen. And I was close to giving up. And I said, listen, I don't know. Last try. All I see is just... Lots of trees and trees and trees and some Japanese, Chinese-looking buildings with these weird roofs that they have. 
And my daughter says, that's it, you did it. And I took it off and I saw it and I said, wow. And the, the difference between the grown-up now and the child is that the grown-up now and me, I remember where was this radio station that I tuned into where I finally could see it so I could reproduce it. So I had them people come over to my place and I showed them. They were choosing a picture. They were The first picture they gave me was a, a black and white photograph of a monkey, a chimpanzee. I could tell them everything. I could tell them it was a black and white picture. I could say it's a portrait. I could even tell them that he was holding his hand and his finger like this, the monkey. I saw it all. I don't see it exactly the way that it's in the picture, but I do have the information. And my daughter went even further. She started then holding hands of people and looking into their past. So I have my back then girlfriend sitting next to her and she says, I see you sitting on a double story bed on top. You're wearing a pyjama with white, blue, orange, black stripes. And behind you is a wall and on the wall is an angel's head. And this angel's head, angel head is made of clay. It's made out of clay. And all this information. And I see my girlfriend sitting there and going like, huh? And I was, is, is she right? Or what? I said, okay, I got to show you something. So she went to, it was at her house. She went to her room, went into a box somewhere underneath the bed, was busy for 20 minutes, came back to us and had a photograph. And there she was with exactly that pyjama on this bed, behind her the wall and the angel's head. The only thing you could not see or the information that you didn't get that was made out of clay, but she confirmed that too. So then we practiced this a little bit with other people. And then my son, who was the fastest with all of this, uh, I would go into the to the uh, into my bedroom. He was sitting in the living room. I would draw a star on a piece of paper, fold it, put it in a box, go out to him and say, Nikos, I have something in this box here for you. And he takes it from me without letting me finish my sentence. And he goes, a star and gives it to me. So once you see this as a reality, you have it broadened. So I have more reality now to what I thought reality was because there's more to it than, than we see. And with this, I started working. It's like a radio frequency, isn't it? You tune into different frequencies. Yeah. And that, and and you, how do you say, you're also much more aware of what's happening around you. So I would be much more aware of all the people that I would meet, even if they would just pass by. It, it meant something to me. Everything started meaning more to me. And then I get this phone call from my niece. And my niece, I hadn't seen back then in, in two years. She was 22 at that time, and she gives me this call. Hi, uncle, how are you? I said, hey, everything fine, how are you? And she says, yes, would it be able for you to lend me a stethoscope? A stethoscope is this thing that we have, we doctors, where we check the lungs and the heart. And I said, why, are you studying medicine? And she says, yes. I said, okay, now no problem, I can lend you my stethoscope. My, you can go anywhere and buy it for four or five euros. I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. But then I held back because I said, think of the meaning, you never know. So we met, I uh, had one hour 
And in this one hour, I told her my entire story. I told her about my kids, how they were blindfolded, seeing and reading, and all this miracle and magical things that were happening in our life. And I could see in her eyes, wow, she completely related to it. She tuned into this, and I thought, okay, I met the right person to talk about this. And uh, and she was really happy that I shared the story with her. And then I gave her a big hug, and we left. And a week passes by. After one week. I opened my door at my work at the radiology center and there she's sitting. So we're speaking about a place that's 2000 square meters. We have 400 patients every day and the doctors are rotating every day. So we are always at a different station and I'm opening this one door and with all these patients, she's sitting in front of my door and I'm looking at her and said, what are you doing here? And she says, well, I'm just here to get an, uh, a chest x-ray. I said, ah, do you need this for your medical studies for a practice at the hospital or whatever? She says, no, no, no. Once in a while, I have this little sting here. So I just wanted to check out that there's nothing. I said, okay, but you could have called me. I didn't want to bother you with it. She said, whether you wanted to bother me or not, I am your doctor and you are here with me now, whether you wanted it or not. She says, yes, you're right. So we were still laughing and joking. And I go back into my room. I received the digital x-ray of her chest and I find the tumor this big, between her lungs and her heart, 13 centimeters in size. She's 22. 22. Well, my experience, of course, immediately told me B-cell lymphoma, young woman, most likely. And I said, okay, why me? Why do I have to tell her now what I'm seeing there? So I call her in. I said, okay, sit down. Holding her hand says, look, this is what I found. I explain everything to her. She looks at me and says, I'm so glad that it's you telling me and not somebody else. And I said, oh, well, of course. From her perspective, of course it has to be me. And not, I was again, you know, thinking, why me? And I said, of course it had to be me. So we're doing a CAT scan, a computer tomography of this thing to measure it precisely 13 centimeters, like a baby's head. And I organized everything for her at the university hospital with all my contacts I have that we do PET scan and, and uh, biopsy and so on, and the whole shebang. I also called her father in New York, who lived in New York back there, still is in New York, told him what happened. Uh, he took the next plane and he came to Vienna. So it was uh, everything was organized for a week after this. So it was Tuesday. The next Tuesday, she would be at the university, university hospital. And before she left me, uh, we hugged again, and it was this time it was longer, and I kind of whispered into your ear, but you don't really think that all of this is happening to us here is coincidence, right? And she says, no, absolutely not. I said, well, I think that's the most important thing we both have to take away from this whole story happening to us here, because that's pretty incredible. And it, was, it was a very long and loving hug, yeah. isn't it? It was a, a really a love bubble that we both were in. And then she had these teary eyes and she looked at me with a smile and she left. A week later, she goes to the university hospital with her father. I get a phone call from her father and he starts cursing me in Greek. I'm like really angry. <laughs> There's nothing on the x-ray. What are you talking about? And I'm like, what? Is this? They did another x-ray, stupidly enough, because they weren't supposed to do another x-ray, but they did. 
and they couldn't find anything. There was nothing to see. So I said to my brother, but wait, before you attack me even more, we have computer tomography. Everything is documented, so we, we have proof of everything. She had it with her. The doctors saw it. They could not explain. They had no idea why it wasn't visible. So they immediately put it into an MRI, magnetic resonance imaging. And in this, you could see a tiny little rest of the tumor that was still there after one week. We're talking about two centimeters. It completely shrank. And then she called me up and says, they, they suggest that you chemotherapy. What do you say? And I said, listen, you know much better than me because you just healed yourself from a tumor. It's your decision. I'm not here to tell you. I'm just maybe guiding you towards an energy field that you've been tapping into. You decide. She decided to do one circle, but she didn't do more. And the tumor never came back. And she's now almost 40 years old. And yeah, and then I started tapping into this. And all of a sudden, patients came from everywhere. And, and his house would fill up with patients, yeah. would, would just arrive at the doorstep. Yes, they would come and they would talk to me. I would show them the trick with the pictures and would have really nice, loving time together. I never took any money. That was an absolute no go for me that even put a, a bigger smile into the face. And it was very important to me. They all came really miserable and they left with a big smile. And that made me happy. And then I started understanding this whole Jesus thing a bit better, you know? Do it like him. I thought, act okay. Like, act like he does. Yeah. But it, and now comes the, 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 the trouble, the problem with this that I also learned while doing this. Yeah. Because I always try to... Uh, in a way, teach them, not teach them, but guide them. Guide them like I did with my niece. That is up to them. If they connect with this loving energy, which I can help them with, they can heal whatever in their life. But most of these people, they wanted me to fix it. They wanted me to be their guru. And I'm in charge. And I try to tell them this is not the case. I'm not in charge. You are in charge. And Eventually, these people turned away from me and found their gurus, which they paid a lot of money then to. And unfortunately, all of them died. None of them is alive today. And uh, it also taught me something that uh, you can't force things. It's You have no control. You have no, absolutely no control. This kind of spontaneous healing happened once again here on the island with another guy who had a deadly tumor on his liver. I did the same with him. He obviously got it the right way. I only met him once and yeah, ever again, him. and he's still alive. And that's 10 years ago. And the tumor is also completely gone. So those are the, the much more important things that I learned after a DMT experience. And now I go back to the research of the DMT that I made, because it says they call it spiritual molecule. It mimics, it may mimic a near-death experience. It is a hallucinogen. How do you call it? Hallucination. No, no, it's a hallucinogen. That the hallucinogen. Hallucinogen. Yes. Okay, that's it. Yes. Thank you. Hallucinogen, and and all of this, of course, is always putting it in in you know in this drawer of 
imagining, not real, Imagination, fake. Yeah. And then I heard these stories that you people are telling and I immediately connected to it. And so, wow, this is very, very similar and much more important than the actual experience is the aftermath. And here I am now with this wonderful wife that I found the same way, just miracles, on an island, working online as I had pictured it already in 1996 and living the dream. What's also amazing is she has this story of fish. Which again comes back to you. Uh, yes, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yes. You see, it has to be someone from outside seeing that. Yes, yeah, yeah, true. So how did you guys meet? Wow. Well Okay, let's 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 I'm also a musician. So when I when I had this whole spiritual or DMT experience, I quit my job. That was one of the first things I did. I said, no more 60 hours working it a week this is impossible for me i've got to do only what i want to do and i will focus on my music now so i started writing my songs it was all back in german in, in, in german back then and uh i put up a myspace account back then it was myspace mm -hmm. before facebook. i love myspace, MySpace. <laughs> yeah the old i days. put up a, a myspace <laughs> account and uh i have not published it yet this account and I left it for the night. I went back there the next day to publish it. But I had already one friend, which was her sister. And I thought, how is it possible? How can someone be your friend when you haven't even published your account yet? How does that work? So I contacted her sister and I asked her, how did you even find me? And she says, you were there. I said, but I only published my account now. And she could not explain it. I said, okay. So I published my account. She was, uh, her sister was my first friend on MySpace. And uh, then I looked at her sister's profile and I all of a sudden see her picture. And I see her with back then reddish hair. Red, red hair, long red, red hair. Long red hair in a flower field. In a poppy flower field poppy just flower inside field. of me. Just her profile. Yeah. And I was immediately completely mesmerized. <laughs> I looked at this and I said, oh my God. Who is this angel? Who is this angel? Is this angel ever going to come into my life? I was immediately going into the meaning of things in life. First, the sister is coming and And I didn't even know that it was her sister back then. But then I looked a bit on, on her sister's profile and the conversation they had with each other. I thought, oh, they might be related. They might be sisters. And a week later, all of a sudden, she's also my friend because her sister showed her my profile and then we were connected. And then we started connecting uh, me by telling her my, a little bit of my experience that I had. And we talked to each other online for six years before we actually met. Yeah. We were friends, email and... And we only ever spoke about spiritual topics. We never went sexual. It was really spirit with spirit, you know, soul with soul. So what I also found out back then in my whole uh, researching, but internal researching, that I could tap into pictures of people, then look at it, then uh, close my eyes, have the picture in front of me, but I'm telling you, like really 3D in front of me, then the picture would start to move. Usually the people smile <laughs> and then something opens up behind them and I go through the same way that I did my, had my DMT experience. And I go through and then I see worlds and things that are related to these people. 
And one of the things that I would see when I did it with her was that she was not going to stay with this man that she was in South Africa. And I saw her barefoot on the beach in a wedding dress, a white long dress. That's all I saw. I wrote that to her, but back then she was completely into her man, which I totally respected. And she thought maybe I'm just, just hitting on her. I thought he was a weirdo <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, okay, I, I mustn't overdo it. Anyway, when we then met in 2013, we finally met. I told her about the things that I've written to her and she had forgotten it. And we were not sure about whether I really did write that or not. And we went into MySpace and believe it or not, this was the last day that this MySpace account was open. The next day we could not access it, access it any longer. Yeah, they had closed the entire MySpace. And then we had all our email correspondence and there you could read it that you would not be with this man, that this is not where you're going to be. The, the white wedding dress, barefoot, and it was all there. And the next day it was gone. Yeah. But we had the, our confirmation. Yeah. We then got married in 2015 here on the island, barefoot on the beach. In a white wedding dress. <laughs> I did not know back then it was related to her and me. Yeah, yeah interesting. This is how we met. Wow, amazing. Do you think it's possible that you should know or you are meant to know what your wife and this other guy spoke to you in this language? You're supposed to know what it is, but for some reason you don't remember the language? Yeah, I absolutely think so. It was a clear yes. language to me. It wasn't just gibberish. It was a clear language it was, and it sounded familiar, but I could not familiar. understand. It, I could not understand. You forgot to mention the star alignment that happened exactly on our wedding day without us knowing. Every 2,000 years, every 2,000 years this would happen. And it was connected to Christ again. Venus and Jupiter. Yeah, right. Right above each other. So it had a very symbolic meaning as well. And uh, yeah, our wedding was right underneath that star that, Mm. that night. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. No, I'm with the language. We wouldn't know. With the language, it's more something that is imprinted into our subconsciousness, I think. I do feel it's a language that we all know. I think it's a soul language. It's when we go into the different dimensions that we're able to either telepath, I will say telepathically, telepathically, we're able to just be in sync. We can either hear it or speak it once we're there. It's just a, a universal language, you know. Remember that our language on this earth was, was created almost as like spell casting. It's a spell casting language that we have. So we can't, we almost like imprison ourselves. Do you know what it reminded me though, a little bit of? Do you remember the movie Avatar, where they were speaking this kind of strange language? Well, I wonder where, I wonder where that, that knowledge really comes from, who created Avatar. What do they know? It was a bit similar, right? Yeah. There's symbolisms in every movie that you'll ever see. For people who want to develop this energy, healing energy, and develop the, the ability to you know, see pictures just by putting their hands on them, what is the best way for people to start? The best way to start is probably when you have children. It's much easier to do it with the children because children are not thinking too much. And uh, once... 
you can see how your children are doing it by being patient. You have tapped into this new reality of yours. And then it's much easier for the, for the grown-up to tap into it. The other possibility is to do it with a person who has experienced it already and have a little bit of a guidance. You need help. You need someone there for you to, to assure you that it's, it's okay. okay that you know, it's open and it's okay that you make mistakes and that you say whatever and that you're thinking all, all kinds of fantasies and brings you out of this thinking process so that you let go and actually be able to tune into this frequency. Isn't it just tuning I mean, it into just love? Comes. Isn't it just tuning into love, this frequency? It's just tuning into a deep, loving state where you're able to access this. I would say this is more the healing, the healing frequency where you tap into this loving energy, yeah, and this, into this loving energy. And anyone can do it. It, it all depends on how wide open your heart is, well, I like suppose. I like say when a patient, for instance, comes to me and is all angry. So now she comes to a breast examination. She has to take off her top. She's sitting in a tiny little cap. It's getting hot in there. And she's irritated and really starts getting angry, more angry and more angry. And it's not her turn yet because me, the doctor, hasn't had time yet because I was busy with another patient. So then you open the cabin door. There she is looking at you and you're really angry. You can see she's sweating all over and she's really pissed off. So now what do you do? Can you manage or can you, can you take that away from her within a few seconds? Or not. If you can do this, you you have the ability of being a healer. So take it all. Do you have that? You have that very strongly. This energy. Yes, he does. You have this. This was was one of the first things we saw. Yeah, that's yeah. You have an incredible healing energy and yeah. healing power. Yeah. What you're doing is actually healing people with your show. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> is it possible that? For example, the three of us are here. The reality I'm experiencing with you and your wife is my version of the reality. Nicole's version of this experience is completely different, and your experience is completely different. And actually, if an outsider was watching us, there are actually three different realities that happened. Yeah. I suppose so. I, I suppose so, yeah. You think so? I think it is. Why? Because there is Jeff. All we know of Jeff is him sitting here in this show, mm -hmm. having this starry night behind him, which <laughs> yes. is his background, and this microphone in the front. That's all we know. But he carries a lot of, much more with him, his entire reality that is behind him that we have no knowledge of, which is connecting with us now, and vice versa, the same here. And now comes a third party from the other side watching the three of us and has this whole background with him and or tapping her. or her and tapping into ours. So there's for sure merging many different realities that are pinpointing to this one where we're all meeting at the very moment. Uh, I guess we're not live, so that means... Right. It's not happening yet. Yeah. <laughs> but what I mean is, if this third person was watching us, we would actually have three separate, different, even conversations. Our conversation, like if this person was watching me, 
My version of this conversation is what you are giving me, what I need for the show. Your conversation from you, Christos, may be, you know, a completely different version of this conversation. Maybe the information that you need, you know, to get out to people about how to heal themselves. And Nicole's may be something different. We're not even saying the same things. Imagine three separate, completely different realities. some Some people will just listen to this and feel the energy, you know, whereas other people will do it through their minds intellectually or through their hearts. But I'm a person that can feel the conversation much more. And I'm sure that there are many viewers, many of your viewers out there will feel the whole, the energy, the frequency of this whole union, let's say. Like, you know how some people, like in science, sometimes they talk about the multiverse. Yeah. So I was kind of maybe thinking that each one of us is our own universe. Maybe. And yeah. our own yeah. universe yeah. is... Cr- and our own universe, you know, we create our own universe. So yeah. your your yeah. universe of this experience is completely different. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I remember when when my my son, when he was eleven, he told me, "Please, Dad, I don't want to do this because I don't want to be a circus clown for the people that you show me around what I can do." Your his psychic ability. Yeah, mean. his his psychic ability. But he he actually mentioned the word circus clown. Okay, and. Uh, I said, okay, would you do me a favor and just do it for your grandmother, for my mother? Because my mother is a, a doctor, scientist, and her reality is this box here, what we see. And I thought maybe she would also get a little bit more out of it if he does it for her. And he said, okay, he agreed. So we went to my mom. I said, okay, sit down. This is a setup. You choose a picture. You give it to him. He's blindfolded. He, all he does is puts his hands and he's going to tell you what he sees. She did that. She had a magazine. She put it in front of him. And uh, he started seeing after 30 seconds and said, I see uh, a young girl lying in, in the grass. And I can even see little pieces of grass in her face. And uh, she she has makeup. I said, okay, yeah, you, you did it already. And I looked at my mother and she looked and wasn't sure what to say. And then he said, no, 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 I see even more. And he started reading again. And it was again into the letters and since it was reading Lieb and Life in German. So then it was finished. So I looked at my mother and said, okay, so you said to me, you're too realistic for these kind of things. Now you saw it. Has your reality changed? And she said, well, I can't answer you that because I have no idea how he's doing it or what he's doing. I said, but you, you saw, you chose the picture and he told you everything. And she couldn't say anything. And I said, okay, give you time. I'll call you next week and we talk about it. Think about it. So after a week, I call her. And I said, so what do you say? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, my son and the, the picture. And she said, oh, this. But what did he actually do? He didn't do anything. And I'm like, what do you mean he didn't do anything? She was completely pushing you away. It didn't exist she anymore. She was in denial. I would say in denial. She, complete denial. she couldn't this see it. This was the best way for her to keep her reality, her view universe yes. that in she has created around her. Because it would have exploded. Not, yeah. <laughs> it would have exploded. It didn't fit into her universe. Yeah, it didn't fit so into her So she just pushed it away, pushed it out, and it didn't do anything. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure your definition has changed especially before and after your DMT experience. But what is your definition of consciousness? My definition of consciousness, well, that's a tough one. 
for me, consciousness is, first of all, pure energy. It's a, an energy built out of frequency, electromagnetic frequency, that is, uh, has the honor to be here and use this avatar in order to experience life in a material way. But wherever it is outside of this reality, is it's always connected. That means I'm also projected outside of this reality. I have the feeling that there is something that is always uh, with us, whether it's the same for you and me or not, I can't tell, but I have the strong feeling that consciousness is just an extension of something much bigger, a much bigger consciousness that is probably in another dimension, because it, in a way it has to be, in order to be out of these four dimensions that we have here, let's say it's a fifth or sixth or seventh dimension, where it actually has access and control to everything. And we are granted living in this avatar without any knowledge or memory, or not too much, only Some little... Some children are born with memory, eh? Okay, but as grown-ups, we usually don't have it. And... We lose it. And we are allowed it. to live the game of life. Yeah, we, we, we lose the memory through programming from childhood onwards, you know? So I think we're all born with that memory, but it's just in the system, in this matrix system, we lose it. But some of us are rebels and are still able to keep that in our hearts. She always had it. When, when I first met her, I remember when I first went with my kids and her, we went to a Greek tourist shop on another, other, another island, it was Kosa. Huh? We went into a tourist shop. There's all Greek tacky stuff in there, Greek flags. Memorabilia, and, you know, mm -hmm. for the tourists. All these kind of weird things. So we walk in there and she goes, ah, Tunisia, something is from Tunis here. And uh, my kids and I, we started laughing and said, Nico, this is a Greek tourist shop. <laughs> This is not Tunisia. No, it was Morocco, right? Morocco. Morocco. Sorry, Morocco. My, my mistake. My bad. Morocco. This is not Morocco. This is Greek. This is a classic tacky Greek tourist shop. And all of a sudden, we hear a back voice there saying, I'm from Morocco. <laughs> and we turn around. A little guy was hiding behind the till, you know, we couldn't see him. Who was running the shop. He was from Morocco. Wow. And she just walks in there and says, yeah, it's, just, um, it's from Morocco. Something is from Morocco here. This is how you said it, right? It's just tuning into a frequency that you can feel. And those of us, some of us are seers. Some of us are clairaudient. I think that's the hearing. And some of us are energy feelers. And that's what I am. I can feel energy of people. Um, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what advice would you give, Nicole, to people to be able to tune into the energy? What, what advice, oh, for me, what, yes. what, what advice would I give people? How to tune into the energy? Um, you feel it. Tune into your feelings. Open your feelings up. Start to feel. It's something that so many of us find so difficult, especially in our, in our world. We're so numbed with all this technology around us. I mean, even now we're speaking through technology, but I feel that it's incredibly important to be able to open your heart and feel. And sometimes 
the more you suffer, the more your heart expands and opens. And I suffered a lot as a child. So that's maybe why my heart opened up. So suffering can help, which is not the only way, of course, it's just one way. But it's just really tuning into your heart frequency and feeling the hurt that you've been, you know, from past relationships, from, from, from past experiences, feel the hurt. Don't block it, don't block it. Yeah, let it pass through also you. Also let letting go of it. Yes, I was about to say yeah. that. Letting it pass through you and then eventually understanding it's not yours to keep, just letting it go. Just like water. And also, also, if you're not happy in, in your life, for instance, and you want to change it, how much are you really prepared to let go of the life that you're living right now? Can you actually get up from your chair and change it now, tomorrow, in an hour? Can you do this? Are you prepared to do it? If you are, then it's much easier. Because if you learn how to close doors, you will see how fast the new ones are opening up. This is incredible. We yeah. all have experienced this. But many of us are really scared of this it's, of this it's big control move of, it's control of letting go of everything yeah people most people are there's some kind of controlling aspect in their lives that they need to control and we've all had that but i think we need to learn how to really let go from that control it's a very hard thing let go from you know one day you could lose all your possessions so you can't control all of that your car your house let go let go it doesn't serve you what serves you however is the endless flow of this enigmatic universe whatever it is that we're living in whether it's a simulation a frequency let it go and let the new come in and don't fear it and it will let come it yes it will come it's a fact it comes i mean i can really talk out of experience that it comes yeah because when I, I quit my job and responsible for three kids and two ex-wives quitting your job is not an easy thing where's the money going to come in and i said i don't care i'm going to do this and i trust I trust, trust that's in this trust in what in this force in this new experience that I have. I trust in the frequency, trust in the frequency of love. Stay trust in, in the it. here and now and live my life. And as I'm doing this, all of a sudden I get the invite of a huge concert in Germany through my MySpace account, where I had 150,000 followers very shortly, uh, playing a, a big support act of a huge pop artist from the UK. I, I get phone calls from all sides if I want to work as a freelancer, as a radiologist. I wasn't even thinking of that. No? So it all came to me. I closed this one door and said, now. I sent off the email and said, I'm quitting. You let go from fear. Yeah. That and was I was it. no longer afraid. You let go and from I'm, fear. And I'm living like this since ever. Yeah. Then. And it all comes. I think what's amazing is there are some people that once they surrender to death, then they have their NDE. But to me, this is also taking it one step further that if you surrender to life, you may get whatever you're dreaming of or you'll have an amazing life. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Due to time, I want to get a couple things. I want to ask you a couple questions before we have to go here. And one is Nicole is a painter. And if people want to see your artwork, where do they find that at? They can come and visit my store. I do a, a very special gifts for people, which is called a soul frequency painting, where I literally tune into your photograph, a recent photograph, and paint your soul frequency on a beautiful canvas using acrylic paints, uh, real gold and silver as well. 
the website, um, I don't know if you're going to put it underneath, mm -hmm. but it's very easy. It's Bohodogon Bohodogon.store. Yeah, this this is one of the dresses that I actually make. I mean, it's funny enough, it always looks like a water world. Mm -hmm. It's lots of, you know, it's kind of tribal because these beings were tribal with their Native American hair, you know. So you're actually so wearing yes. your own art. So it, almost, own art. it almost has that peacock symbolism <laughs> yes. to me again. Yeah. It does, yeah. I wonder if that the symbol of the eye means anything to you that you don't remember now. But, you know, like to me, those are almost like little eyes, almost like the hair of the the painting were little eyes, the, the individual yes, feathers. Yes, that's true. That's true. You have that a lot in your paintings. I do. I'm looking here, we have paintings all over here. You know, even Alex Gray, and he's a fantastic painter. Mm -hmm. He paints eyes everywhere. I believe it's something that when we pass into the other dimension, that that's, it's almost like everything is interconnected. So when we see each other, what's the first thing we look at? Each other's eyes. Mm -hmm. When we look at animals, we look at each other's eyes, pets. So the eye, the eyes are the windows to the soul. Maybe we're just connecting to the soul. I also mentioned in the beginning, you are an author. Can you tell us about your book and where to find it? Yes. So my book is also found on my, in my Etsy store. Um, it's called Terra Infinita, Downloads from the Ether. And it's literally where I'm meditating in water and I get the most incredible visions that come to me that I write down. And this book is full of that, full of the visions that I've seen for the future and also of our past. Do you think these are new downloads or you're deciphering the knowledge that you got during your NDE? Possibly. I mean, I don't tend to think too much about it. I just, in that moment, this is how I live. I don't live like, I don't think about yesterday or tomorrow. I live in the here and now. So when it comes, I write it down. And if it's about the past, it, it will give me a, a year date. So you'll see in the book, it, I start with the year is 2040. Doing the future. Yeah, so I'm in the future in the hmm. book, but I'm also in the past. Yeah. So I go to different timelines within the book. Have you seen any events in the future come to fruition that you've gotten from your downloads? So far, they're all in the future. Oh, I, so mean, yeah. I was just thinking, well, I'm, you said 2040, we're not there yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> Right now, I believe that we have to, and this is so much, you know, we have to open our hearts. We have to trust. We have to trust that we are all interconnected and that we have the power within our hearts to change anything we want. It's the love. It's the love within each one of us. And all, the, all, your, all your audience, we are all interconnected. We are all brothers and sisters. We all come from the same tribe, the interdimensional tribe. We're all one. I mean, I know it sounds cliches, but we're all one. And we are here to recreate, I believe, heaven on earth once again. You guys also perform music together, right? Yes. Do yes. We, is that something that you can find on iTunes or Spotify? At the moment, you can only find it on YouTube, which is Christos Mythos Mary Jane, CMMJ on, on YouTube. I'm busy now to finally put it on Spotify again. I was uh, not very keen so far to put anything out on Spotify, but I will do it. 
but so it will happen in the next in the next few weeks. Most of our uh, some of the songs are in German with English subtitles, and the older ones are in English. But we do have a very nice song in there uh, called "Within Water," which is interesting. It's all about the consciousness of water and what water is for all of us. Hmm. So have a look at that. Well, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you guys and ask you questions. Are you open to that? Oh, yeah, sure. And if we can help anyone that needs guidance, that needs just a hug, we're there. That's why we're here. What's the best way to reach you? The best way to reach us would be, I the suppose. The best way to reach us is through YouTube, actually. Yeah, through YouTube. Through YouTube, through the comment section, and then we can, from there, we can carry on. Or if somebody wanted to contact me through the shop, I could also message them through that. Yeah. Yeah. Because we look at everything that oh, is commented yeah. or that people write to us and we reply to everything. So Yeah, this is Amy. I've made it a mission. Oh drama. Yes. Do you guys have anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about? Do we have anything else? Um well, for, for next year, for the summer, new prints coming, um, new prints that I'm doing. Um, I have a children's book as well called A Dog Called Dolphin, which is actually connected to the serious star. A beautiful story for children, which is also in the Etsy store, if anybody's interested. Sounds great. Before we finish up, can both of you give us one last positive message? <laughs> That's the positive message. <laughs> don't hesitate if you if you're out there and you feel trapped and you want to change your life don't hesitate to doing it just trust trust in doing it go for it don't find any excuses you can't because i've heard that so many times but i can't because and put away the because and the can't and you will see everything goes everything is possible you can change your life on the last day on this on this earth if you wanted to. And my message would be just listen to water. Listen to the water. Christos and Nicole, thank you for your messages and thank you again for being my guests. Oh, thank you so, thank much. You so much. It was a pleasure. Being yeah, it was here. wonderful. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.